0: welcome to faith-based mental health this is the show where we talk about what it would look like for you to be mentally emotionally and spiritually healthy i am your host pastor colt wagner and i'm here with my co-host dr ron how are you dr ron
1: aloha i am too blessed to be stressed too great to hate, too fine to whine, too anointed to be disappointed. I'm too sweet to tweet, and uh, I
0: think I'm out of rhymes, but I'm good, infectiously so. I'm I'm glad you're good, and I don't even think that you ever tweet anyway. I don't know if that means you're always sweet or if that's just you don't tweet, but... uh i don't know if yeah. that has to i don't situation. know anything
1: about it every once in a while i'll read a news article and it'll say it'll be from twitter and i'll click on it and it'll say you have no access i'm like, like oh log,
0: man log into your twitter and you're like uh. oh i don't have that yeah 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 it's uh definitely definitely not exactly up to date on all the socials but that, that's all that's all good you, you know we we still love you anyway um so, we've been having some great conversations surrounding uh, this idea of couples fighting fair, which I'm really glad we've gotten to talk about. And we kind of want to transition in this episode um, because I remember you had talked about some secrets that would keep couples from having to even take that time out that we went into in the last episode. Um, so if you don't mind, could you reveal those secrets to me and to our audience as far as uh how to even stop us from having to get to the point where we have to take a timeout? What would that what's that look like?
1: Yeah, I read today that there are two theories for arguing with a woman. And both are wrong.
0: Mm. <laughs> I knew that was gonna yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there it's kind of like in fighting fair how do you avoid uh you know we you know leaving too much damage we had made the analogy to the ufc in the last podcast and i remember listening to a navy seal guy say the best way to avoid a punch is to not be there when it's thrown <laughs> i like it yeah. You know, the, the best weapon you have is your feet, not so you could kick with, so you could run away, you know? And, and that was kind of the, the timeout principle personified, you know, is, hey, we just need to get out of this situation. But keeping the same analogy, I'd like to talk a little bit about emotional judo. I don't know if you know a, a lot about judo there, Colton, how that works.
0: Probably not near enough. So, so tell us about that and, and what in the world is emotional judo?
1: Yeah. So judo is the sense of I'm using your kinetic energy in a way to get the upper hand, you know, so I am sort of ebbing and flowing. If you're running toward me, I don't run toward you. I sidestep and then, you know, continue your energy and then you sort of (laughs) fall down.
0: Kind of using the other person's momentum against them.
1: Yeah, but what we don't want to do in a marriage is do anything against the other right, person. Right. <laughs> of, course, of course, But, it, but of course. if you find yourself you know, in a fight, there are ways to de-escalate it uh, by sort of reflecting the emotional energy that's given to you. And, mm-hmm. and I'd like to just give a few tips on, on how to do that, if that'd be fair. Absolutely. I'd love it. Yeah, so the first and the most important is the concept of reflective listening. Most right. of us don't do listening well. If that makes sense.
0: I think a lot of couples would agree with you. And probably they would say that their spouse doesn't listen well, and that spouse would say that their spouse doesn't listen well.
1: I'm sorry, what were you saying?
0: I said I, I think a lot of couples would agree. I think that oh shit <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Most people don't do listening well.
1: You know, it's such a rare thing to be listened to and to be heard that people will literally, you know, come online, come into the office and pay a therapist money who primarily just listens. In previous podcasts, we talked about there being a pursuer and a withdrawer, and the primary insecurity of the withdrawer is, I'm not capable; I don't have what it takes. You know, the primary insecurity of the pursuer is, I'm invisible; I'm unseen. Mm-hmm. But if we can learn to reflective listen, then we can instantly cure the primal insecurity of the pursuer by reflecting back to them, "I see you." It's it's so amazing. You know, sometimes when I'm just listening to people, I say back to them what I hear them saying to me, and they come back to me weeks later, and they'll say things like, oh, I took that advice you gave, and it was life-changing. And I'm like, I I didn't actually give you any advice. Right. <laughs> well, of course it was life-changing. It was your
0: idea, you know? Uh, <laughs> I, I just well, go, My oh. ideas are the best ideas, so yeah.
1: Yeah, because if if I tell you what to do, the first thing you're going to do is give me three reasons why it do, it won't work. Mm. But if I reflect back to you the things that I hear you saying that you should do, then what I'm doing is essentially emotional judo. I'm building upon the momentum that you've already created to help you achieve what it is you're looking to do.
0: And I imagine that makes me feel like what I'm saying is being reinforced and it feels even stronger because it's, it's almost like I'm hearing it from another person as well. If that makes yeah. sense. Oh my gosh.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. Totally. Uh, Gary Chapman talks about the five love languages and the key principle of that. And one that's repeated elsewhere is the idea of a love bank that you can mm. make deposits into and you can make withdrawal withdrawals, withdrawals. with withdrawals yeah I can't say that word
0: yeah it's okay. I think yeah. everybody everybody knows we got it
1: I I've got, got too much of a drawl a southern drawl <laughs> to make a withdrawal uh, and, and so the idea though is making the deposits by speaking the language of love that your partner primarily speaks. but right. what I found is that when you speak that language in a way that is reflected back to you, then the deposit is doubled, yeah mm. Someone once said, the best way to double your money is to fold it in half and put it back in your pocket. (laughs) Wise. But the best way to double the emotional impact felt when you're making uh, love deposits is to use reflective listening. And here's what's cool about it. You can more than double it. You can triple it. You can quadruple it. Let's say I say to my wife, you're the most beautiful woman in the whole world. And she says back to me, oh, you think I'm pretty. Now we've just doubled our investment into her felt emotional impact of me calling her beautiful. But let's say later that day, she picks up the phone and she's talking to her sister and she tells her sister, Oh, you wouldn't believe what Ron said. He was just looking me deep in the eyes and he said, I'm so beautiful. And now we've tripled our investment. And then, then the sister says, Oh, he must think you're gorgeous. And now all of a sudden, we've got emotional love tanks overflowing, and there's nowhere to put all that love energy except back into the, her partner and right. out into the world. Absolutely. And it's just a thing of beautiful. It's just a beautiful thing uh, how we can use reflective listening to have that emotional impact on our partner.
0: Absolutely. So, Reflective listening, super beneficial, uh, has a huge impact and kind of can be a multiplier. So what exactly does it look like? Um, you said that there's a repeating of what your partner said. Is there anything else to this that, you know, if you wanted to, if you if we were in a counseling session right now and you were showing a couple exactly how to uh, use reflective listening in their communication with each other, what would you tell them?
1: Hmm. So so you're you're asking what it would look like to teach reflective listening in you know in a live client setting, yeah?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah,
1: yeah there's some st- <laughs> there are some steps to follow. The first is taken from a Native American principle called the talking stick. Mm. And In the talking stick, you have the elder in the community and he literally has a stick, you know, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. they're sitting in, you know, in a circle and he says what's on his heart and what is on his mind about an important topic. And everyone else in the circle is not allowed to introduce new concepts. They're not allowed to uh, rebut or defend They're allowed to repeat back in a way to demonstrate understanding of what the elder is saying. And then when the elder feels truly listened to, he will pass the stick to the next eldest and and the process continues until everyone has had a a chance to speak and to be heard. And so the first thing is, you know, figure out who's going to have the stick first. And generally what I like to do is whoever's leading the dance, you know, if you're the one that's pursuing, you want to have the conversation. I think it's important first to hear the point of view of the other person, because Mm -hmm. then that gives you the entrance to state your held opinion. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And on on the stick, are are you saying that you literally like send your client outside to go grab a stick or do they need something physical for this or or what's the idea there
1: yeah when we're first learning it's it's a physical object mm-hmm. uh, because it makes a difference um there's a program called uh prep i believe it's called yes prep and they have a, a magnetic floor and they say you have to share the floor back whoever has the floor and it's a literal checkerboard Floor, you know, if you had pieces small enough, you could probably play chess on it. Uh, right. And that's what they do. They share the floor back back and forth. Uh, so great question. Uh, so, you know, someone starts with it. They've got right. the floor. They've got the stick. And there's some general things to keep in mind. The first is they speak for themselves. They don't mm-hmm. try to assume what the other person is thinking or feeling. They use I statements You know, they own their own emotions and thoughts. Uh, They speak in short phrases because you want the other person to have the opportunity to listen, you know, and reflect back what they're hearing. And there are some other just general communication techniques like avoiding terminal language, uh, like always and never. You know, Mm -hmm. if my wife says to me, uh, you never take out the trash. Well, she's probably true, uh, but all I have to do is find one time in the last 15 years I did, and I win the argument, you know? That's why we just avoid terminal language altogether,
0: yeah? Does terminal language tend to kind of escalate rather than de-escalate arguments? Is that kind of why we want to stay away from that? Or, I mean, also what you just said about I just need to find one exception, but...
1: Yeah, terminal language is essentially prejudice in nature. mm. You know, I'm sort of painting you into an always or never. It's almost like mind reading or making assumptions, you know.
0: um, Which I, we also don't want to mind read. uh,
1: Yeah. So you're sort of catastrophizing in a way if you say always and never, you know, as if there are no opportunities for compromise or other suggestions. And it's just not a healthy technique in terms of any kind of, uh, debate or communication. And and so those are the, those are the keys. And if you're going to avoid something, I I try to never, I just said it. I try to quite often not, uh, tell people to stop doing something without telling them to start doing something.
0: Mm, Okay. Can you talk about that for a second?
1: Yeah. So generally speaking, they say it's very hard to just, and a uh, habit without replacing it with a more adaptive habit. So mm-hmm. if you're going to avoid terminal language, what I like to suggest to you is that there are, is a type of language that you should embrace. And that's emotionally laden language. Okay. You know, it's one thing using the trash example. It's one thing to say, you never take out the trash. It's quite another thing to say, I feel like I've been taking the trash out more than my fair share. Mm. You know, one is an escalation. The right. other one is a communication.
0: Right. You know? And so, so that's kind of your emotionally laden language to talk about how I feel, kind of how this is impacting me instead of kind of casting blame, talking about how it's impacting self.
1: Right. Right, right. This is part of you owning it. And one of the problems we have with couples who fall out of love is they begin to shift the way they talk to each other. When you're in love, you tend to use a lot of emotionally charged language. We do what I call emotional problem solving to help us through emotional challenges. And we talk about how we feel. And uh, and then we get married and we go along and the language becomes more like a business language like Mm. when are you going to pick up the milk or uh you know it's your turn to do the dishes you know and then they wake up and they sing you've lost that love and (laughs) feeling And then, you know, it's like, how did we get here? You know, well, you've changed your language. You moved the goalpost. And so I'm like, well, return back to the way it used to be. You know, Mm. Uh, that's the formula in Revelations. Remember, repent and repeat. Revelations chapter two and three.
0: Right. So does um, does using that more emotional language, does it help them? To return to that, I mean, overall, does it make an impact on that? Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. To be able to communicate to someone, this is how I feel. Not in an accusatory way, but in a way of connecting. You know, the real problem in relationships is that we don't have a secure base of attachment anymore. And the way to get there is to reach for one another emotionally and every time that our partner reaches for us, be there for them emotionally and connect with them. And and so these are the ways that the person with the stick should talk. But that's not the magic of reflective listening. The magic is the person without the stick. That's where the real work is done. Mm -hmm. And this is the person whose job it is to sit there and say, Mm hmm. Uh, Mm hmm. And in the listener to be able to tell to be able to hear the way your partner feels without immediately rebutting or defending yourself, but reflecting back, demonstrating that you understand how they feel first. Right.
0: Right.
1: So the rules of the listener are no rebutting, no defending. And by the way, here's a quick assessment as to whether or not you're being defensive. Keep your butt out of it. Anytime you insert the word butt, ah. you're instantly being defensive. So if my wife comes to me and says, I feel like I've been taking out my the trash more than my fair share. And I say to her reflectively, I hear you saying that you take out the trash more often than you think you ought. But... I was in class
0: yesterday. You're wrong already, right?
1: Yeah, As I've tra- I've transitioned from listening to defending.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes when we think we're communicating, that's all we're doing is defending. Sometimes you, we don't even do the reflective part. We go straight to the butt. The butt, yeah. Do you Keep think that's
0: a out of, Go ahead. That's a hard part. For people because I, I could imagine you know even like in a session i could imagine someone being like okay i got it reflective listening and you know they kind of repeat reflectively what the spouse said and then they go but and then they explain themselves and defend themselves is that a hard one for people
1: oh that's a hard butt, indeed <laughs> indeed it's, a, it's a hard to keep your butt out of it you know because you feel attacked you know but yeah. sometimes it's not about you it's about Hearing the other person and feeling connected. And when they feel connected, this is what happens right. their entire body responds. Mm. When a person feels listened to, they nod with their entire body. They unconsciously say, mm hmm, yeah. You can see their shoulders going down a bit. You can literally see their defenses falling. And when that happens, it doesn't really matter what your butt is because the whole point was connection. Right. So, you, yeah, you reflect back what you hear. And then when they let their guard down, when they feel feel, feel heard, then you have a secure base with, it, with which to say to them, I want you also to know that I was in school.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, is that does that need to wait until I get the stick? Um, yes. Right. Okay.
1: Because you haven't earned, at that point, you haven't earned the right,
0: you know. And you earn the right when the other person feels adequately listened to, I guess.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Now you, now,
0: yeah. Hey, yeah. now you, you get it. <laughs> I'm learning something. I'm learning something. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's just like the prophet Nathan. He could have easily walked in when David sinned with Bathsheba and said, and led with, You are the man, you know, but instead he earned the right to speak into David's life. Absolutely. And I think that's, I, I know that's the problem with churches nowadays. We want to condemn before we build that bridge. Right. We haven't earned the right to speak into their life and say,
0: thou art the man, you yeah. know? I think sometimes people get it twisted. I don't want to go too far into this, but people get it twisted and think that, well, I know that what I'm saying is biblically accurate, or I know yes. I've got the right stance. So I should just be able to tell that to whoever is in the wrong. And that's just not how life works.
1: Yeah, because all you do is make them more entrenched in their ways. And if that's your, if, if that's your agenda, then it's really not about them it's about you and right. your need to say thou art the man rather than their need to change from being the man if you know what i mean
0: and for I those of add- you
1: go ahead for those of you who are lost in the sauce you, this is a biblical story that you might want to take a look yeah, at yeah. in the old testament where david sinned and his he was surrounded by yes men but one guy had the courage to call him out on his sin uh, you were saying, Colt, sorry.
0: Yeah, if, if it's your goal to get them entrenched to just say that you're right, then like you've, I, in my mind, you've already lost. You're already in the wrong. The whole agenda's wrong. You shouldn't even be having that conversation.
1: Yes, and coming right back to the marriage, the same thing applies to the mm-hmm. marriage. Mm-hmm. If all you do is nag and point out how your partner is wrong, Then you haven't actually earned the right for them to hear your complaints. And guess what? They're not going to hear. They will hear, perhaps, but not listen.
0: Right. Right. And there's a difference.
1: Yeah. My children are very good at this. I I can say to them uh, clean up your room, brush your teeth, go to bed. And come back uh, 45 minutes later and none of those things are done and say to them, you are not listening. And they can say back to me, yes, we are. You said, (laughs) you know, clean up your room, brush your teeth, go to bed. So they clearly heard me. They just didn't listen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Listening, there's kind of an action element to it as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so if couples can abide by the principles of reflective listening mm-hmm. and learn to share the stick back and forth, then essentially we can get to a place where we don't necessarily need to use the timeout very often.
0: Right. Right, because we because again, the whole purpose of the timeout kind of if you haven't listened to the last episode, you ought to, it's it's on the timeout, uh but the whole purpose was you kind of feel like the next thing the next thing I'm going to say is detrimental to this relationship. It's not good. It's bad. And so I'm going to take the time out and give myself a breather and be intentional about how I prepare to have this conversation again. But if I feel listened to, and if we both feel listened to, I'm probably not going to have to take that time out with my wife. And so that's, that's what you mean, right?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's you hit the nail on the head there. And uh, so for more information, if people are still stuck in communication patterns that are like a shallow grave, uh, they can always hook up with a life coach. They can hook up with a therapist. They can read a good book. And all of those resources can be available at serenitycarecounseling.com. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a friend. Um, Patterns of miscommunication do not have to define your
0: relationship. Absolutely. And another thing I'd recommend is, um, you know, if if you're listening to this and you're married and, and this is good for, for what you're, for you and your spouse, invite them to listen to it with you. Don't shove it in their face and say, Hey, you need to listen to this, but maybe just say, Hey, can we listen to this together? Um, and, and that might do some good as well. Learning these techniques uh, as a couple and, and learning some of these things for sure. Well, Dr. Ron, I think that is about our time. Uh, I just want to say thank you for yet another great conversation, another great episode. And and like you said, if anyone wants to learn more or or dig deeper into this, they can contact us, ask us questions, um, or perhaps hook up with a counselor or a life coach at SerenityCareCounseling.com. Of course, that will be in the show notes. Before we go, any final thoughts, Dr. Ron?
1: Yeah. Just remember, this is not something that defines your life. It's a skill that can be mastered. You know, good communication isn't something that comes naturally out of the womb. In fact, most communication out of the womb sounds a lot like (laughs) some of our fights. (laughs) 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 And that gets all anyone who's parented, uh, and, uh, has woken up at 3 a.m. knows that that gets old after a while. And uh, hopefully for you guys in your marriage out there listening, it, your communication doesn't sound like that. But you've learned, just like that child has learned to communicate through life, that you can get better and better at this.
0: Absolutely. So be patient with yourself and be patient with your spouse as you work toward these good communication skills and and, and keep listening Uh, So we can keep being an aid to you, to both of you in that way. Well, thank you for listening. And if you are gaining anything from this, we do ask that you go ahead and hit that subscribe button or perhaps suggest this uh, episode to someone who you know it would be really great for. We want to be a resource to anyone we can. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dr. Ron. We'll see you next time.
1: Aloha.